Friday Afternoon Deploy hasn't figured out how to use Patreon, so please support us on Etsy by buying a crocheted Kubernetes logo from Alan. I can actually crochet too, which is what's funny. (laughs) I knew it! (laughs) That's excellent. Some of my favorite stories are friends who've worked in chicken houses <laughs> and tell stories about like how dumb chickens are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they are remarkably dumb. Uh, yeah. Sure cows. Only, yeah. only yeah. in Arkansas can you uh, film, record a developer podcast and then have someone talk <laughs> about chicken houses in Northwest Arkansas specifically. Yeah, right. And everyone around the table kind of nod. Knowing, like knowingly. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, the same, in the same way that you might be like, oh, man, I'm, I've got a friend that's got a story about Jenkins. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, that too. Jenkins and chicken houses. Uh, but on that note, Jenkins. We're, oh, nice. I haven't heard any Jenkins stories yet, actually. I'm a, I'm a, the only Jenkins story that I've got is I used it for three months and wanted to die the whole time. Yeah. It's terrible. I, I haven't actually tried to do anything with it. I've just learned that it's kind of the baseline of the... You know, it's kind of a world, yeah, and, and and it was like it was first to market. It's like thirty years old. Yeah, it's an enterprise it's been standard. Around been yeah. around for a long and time. The UI still looks like Windows ninety five. Here, I'll, I'll be I'll be everyone's guide. Uh, spoiler alert: We're talking CI and DevOps. Today. Oh, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Jenkins yeah. is the tool for that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah. Tyrell. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, we just got deep real fast. Someone's like, Jenkins kind of and then Jenkins. That the viewers know what Jenkins is, right? Yeah, I mean, we should. Um, I don't know. We haven't actually surveyed the audience. It might just be a bunch of confused people being like, "This is an NPR." Uh, but uh, people, Harry Gross's voice is strange. <laughs> uh, we, we've got. Um, I, I'm, I'm reticent to call you a guest, Sloan. <laughs> um, though it's your I'm first time on the podcast, like I'm really, really tardy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, we're glad you could join us on the show, though. Finally, we're, we're episode eight, you're only 18 episodes right, right. late for I, coming I in. I had to make it before it got up to three orders of magazine. <laughs> I guess this would be fashionably late officially on a podcast, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 I think yeah. so. Late, yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, Sloan's, Sloan's, Sloan's a member of our, our core dev team here at Lofty, and uh. We thought we thought CI and um, and and kind of broadly like DevOps and Kubernetes um, would be a good topic because uh, I know that that is the hell that you have lived in for a while. And As I'm staring at a red I was CI say, test, what's it's a the, broken <laughs> Kubernetes. You understand that's a Friday afternoon. And I don't know you why understand. You yeah. there. <laughs> the, the, the name of the show is purely in jest. Uh, you're not actually supposed to be deploying on a Friday during the show, although that's happened. Yeah. Many, it happened. It's yeah. happened but like way more than we expected. I, can, yeah. I, just, I see a red circle CI yeah, screen, yeah. and I feel for him over there. But yeah. uh, It's... Uh, it br- it finds interesting ways to break. It's, they're hard to predict. <laughs> yeah. so, Learning a lot about entropy. Very brittle. You're yeah. running. So so what? I mean, to give some context, without getting into specifics of the project, but what you're working on um, is 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 moving from a somewhat sophisticated cloud environment, but not one that's containerized, right? Or at least not not in its cloud environment. We have containerized versions of it on prem. 
um, and getting it from VM-based and just skipping right through to Kubernetes. And it's a relatively sophisticated environment as well. It's deployed. It's... Um, it's in it's it's in, it's multi-regional. Um, it's it's in uh, U.S. It's also in Europe. It's it's in Frankfurt data centers because of crazy yeah. German data laws. It's an internationalized app, um, and so like not only are, are are we making the move there to Kubernetes, but like in, in a um, in a particularly sophisticated environment that already had dozens and dozens of hosts and multiple stacks Running in production. Celery, you know, Redis. Yeah, it's a rabbit. It's a, and- so it's a it's a large scale app. It's well, a data science application. So I feel like trial by well, fire so right, learning yeah, to, about to learn the process and the principles stack. and the tools and you know also finding all the cracks and how all those things work together all at the same time. It's right. been a kind of a long ongoing process. The the project had a continuous integration pipeline of sorts before, but it was pretty minimal. Basically, just ran unit tests for the application. And so I've tried to turn this into a proper CI uh, pipeline while also containerizing the application and moving into container or- orchestration in Kubernetes. You know, and so all those pieces are new, and I'm getting to explore all the ways that things can go wrong <laughs> along and the, the way. And they're all going to get deployed at the same time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's gone on longer than I'd like, but it also means I'm finding all these problems before their production problems. <laughs> and so, hmm. you know, it's it's a little bit of a luxury, I guess, to be able to do it that way. But I think that's also a constraint on that particular project is um, it's not a it's not a huge team, but it's not. This is not like a, a two dev team, right? There's how many developers are on that project now these days? It's growing, so obviously that's that's part of it. I want to say we're at like ten altogether, twelve maybe. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. and that's and, with that's with um, some QA folks and some interns and everything. And that number was two. Well, <laughs> right. That, yeah, that number was two just over a year ago, and the two people were Sloan and I. Yeah, um, yeah. and so and it wasn't you full time, but uh, yeah, uh, the the CTO of the project was was also um, developing on it. But he, he same constraint with him as me in his marginal time, right? Mm-hmm. So really, yeah. it was you full time. Yeah, um, and that was just over a year ago, and so now we get uh, you know. 14, 15 months down the road, and there's twelve, right? So this is a growing team, um, and so there's a lot of people learning the tooling. Mm-hmm. Also, we're learning the the kind of breakpoints in the process. To some extent, flows. we're teaching them about continuous integration as well, and and sure. know, developer discipline involved in that, and all of that sort of thing. Like you can't merge code if your tests don't all pass, and that's not just unit tests. It's not just JavaScript tests. It's also integration tests. Right, it's all, the whole thing. Right, if you see red, and so of course, if they're seeing red. And that's a job that's broken that has nothing to do with the code that's broken for some DevOps reason, then you know that doesn't work very well. And so yeah. trying to get the process to the point where I can basically require all the other developers to trust it is, you know, turning out to be harder than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot of things a lot of ways things can go wrong even when everything's working. I mean this you is know, this it's is, inter- oh, I was gonna yeah, say yeah, go ahead. It's inter- it's interesting the balance in um you want to require people to have passing tests, but when when like you're building it out, there's going to be a learning right. curve. But you have to keep it from becoming like the boy who cried wolf, so that people still respond when they see their test fail instead yeah. of going, "Oh, my test failed," but that that doesn't matter. Right. And so like in, being able to instill in people, your tests can't fail, but also like, but right now it's kind of okay, and 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 just it's it's a learning curve for sure. Well, your tests can't fail when you're. 
mer- when you merge, right? right? You've got to have all yeah, your tests passing by then. And mm-hmm. so one thing I've struggled with a little bit is, so I have a CI pipeline that does a lot of different things, some of them concurrently, but the centerpiece is uh, building is building the, uh, the Docker image, you know, that's used for the application. And then there's various tests that happen on that, and then you deploy it to Kubernetes and you run tests against that. But getting that image built and testing it locally takes like 28 minutes, right? So you're building this Docker image with all the dependencies and everything, then you run the unit tests against it, and then you run some integration tests against it in a Docker Compose environment. And that's sort of a minimal amount of testing that you need to be able to trust that the image works. And so the image then gets pushed at the end of that, you know, 27-minute process. And I, I go back and forth. I haven't, it's been that way for a long time, but I may end up breaking it up and put the image build in, a, in its own task and then push the image without testing it, but then run the testing after that. There's a couple of reasons for that. And one is that... Concurrency, at least with the Kubernetes testing, can, right? You can, well, you got to build the image before you can do anything else, but we could do all those but, I mean, you Docker could, you could, tests. Yeah, you could run, you could run right. Kubernetes tests and Docker's tests in tandem and in a, because the and, image would already and be built. And unit tests, too, because those take a long time. Right. And so all that could be done concurrently. Um, you know, that's one thing. Another, another advantage is that as you're building something out, especially if it's like a front-end change, Maybe that breaks a QA test or something, but you don't really care about that QA test at that point. Or sometimes even a unit test that's broken, but you need to go test something. You need to actually deploy it somewhere that you can test it, even though you have failing tests, right? So sure. that's, an, that's a place where you might actually want to go ahead and build and push the image, even if you don't have working tests. That hasn't been a problem for us yet because we haven't migrated into exclusively you know, Docker Kubernetes land. Right. People can still deploy their branches with the old conventional AWS method. Which and, is which is how it's been set up for a long time. How it's been set That's up. kinda of part of the, the you know, like working towards the marginal deployment. But okay, let's let's stop and, and, and take a step back, yeah, I think. Yeah. We went we went deep, which is good. <laughs> but um kind of stepping further back and, and maybe even abstracting like if you can mm-hmm. the, the project you're on away from it. Um sure. like the the fundamental shift from moving from like a VM based what what we would have a year ago said it was a standard environment a standard deployment for us would have been um, EC2 boxes in AWS Terraform building those Terraform yeah. scripts to to control the infrastructure Ansible provisioning those yeah mm-hmm. yeah Ansible configuration management and bringing them into configuration parity and deploying like the Deploying everything was Ansible scripts. Yeah, yep. and, and then Circle CI running running the whole show, Circle right? calling Circle pulling the strings and, and directing the puppets and stuff like that. And that was a a normal environment. We still have a couple projects like that, but like yep. Kubernetes, totally different thing. Changes right? the changes the whole workflow. I mean, so when I when I inherited the DevOps part of this project, um, we were deploying. Via Ansible scripts to uh, EC2 machines. Um, and so uh, basically you go allocate the EC2 instances that you want to use as your production environment before you do anything with them, right? Right. And you allocate those with Terraform code, right, is the way this was set up. And then you run Ansible scripts against those existing servers, and you run those scripts every time the code changes. So you have these same server instances 
you know, you're you're maintaining them as pets instead of cattle. Love you're it. Not, I'm glad. I'm glad. I knew that it was good. Yeah, I knew yeah, it was yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what we wanted. That's that's the that's the key takeaway right. of like modern DevOps, right? You don't want yeah. pets. You yeah. want cattle. Cattle has pets. You accumulate, you know, volatile changes on those machines that are not really deterministic, especially if somebody goes in there and SSHs in and cowboys up and so I don't, some I don't, around, I right? don't know you if know? you've if you've listened to the show much. I know you weren't here for some of the conversations, but there have been several points where we talk, we, we get nostalgic, we get a, we get halfway through our first beer. And start reminiscing a lot on the show. <laughs> the good old days. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the good old days have come up. And we've talked about how in the good old days, um, you know, uh, you had personal attachment right. to, to hardware. Yeah, M- yeah. Much, much like cattle this that should. my favorite. Exactly. Server, right? Much like cattle <laughs> right. that turns into a pet. You give it a yeah. name right. um, and, and they have quirks and you know them. You're like, oh, <laughs> oh that particular server has always been that way because that guy that used to work here three years ago used to get in there and yeah. change stuff. And that's just, you know, that. <laughs> we we have we have Bart and Lisa and Bart's just a yep. little bit quirky, you know. Yep. Uh, that, Can't always trust Bart. Somebody exactly. He doesn't, he did, you, did you really work somewhere where they were named after Simpsons characters? Because uh, that seems like something that would totally. We had we had we had a couple of different. We would group them. We kind of cluster them, if you will. But like based on their uh, what whatever utilization they had, we had Bart and Lisa. Um, the web stack was all Django stuff, and they were super into. Uh, the jazz aspect of so Django's named after Django Reinhardt, oh, uh, and yeah, so our right. servers were um, Duke and Ella were the web <laughs> nodes. Uh, nice. Miles was our load balancer that we put in front of it. Nice, Miles Davis, and uh, you uh, had a dizzy in there somewhere. I hope I don't know if it got that far. We had a database, and for whatever reason, the database was like inherited from another stack. They want they didn't want to rename it, and so the database um, never got a jazz name. It was it was just called Yoda. So we had some Star Wars thing. <laughs> yeah. So we had Yoda in there, which made no sense <laughs> yeah. in the rest of the jazz. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a good example of, of pets. You guys oh, yeah. have pets, right, so you right. had exactly. to yeah. Yoda. Yeah. yeah. Well, we couldn't you know. just abandon Yoda, right. and we weren't going to change its name. It's not like we picked it up at the shelter and well, said like still your name's not Rose. Your Yoda, name's Yoda, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, so Yoda was Yoda, and and, and when Yoda um, was adopted by that stack, he kept his name, and and then we like we kind of diverged because we had a test environment named Vader. We were like, oh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep going. So we, <laughs> it was this weird. How fitting is that? Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. so now like it was that stack was like um, Luke Skywalker playing gypsy jazz guitar at the at the <laughs> at the it, cantina in Mos Eisley. And but, I imagine uh, Brendan Test in the, in the bog, like in there, <laughs> yeah. where he finds you know. Sees himself, uh, yeah. yeah. Sees himself in the in, in the, the cave, mask, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so they had personalities and stuff. What else do we, I, we had? Other we had other one. Bart and Lisa was definitely a group of them, and, and some others. But that stuff was fun. But yeah. those days are long gone. If yeah, you have right. servers that have names, right. um, that's that's pr- you can the, pretty much call that a liability. The oh, exception, for sure. the exception is RDS instances. Right, uh, because well, you yeah. kind of have to keep those, well, right? Because <laughs> of the uh, there's the persistence of data, and right. also for some fucking reason, it takes an hour to provision one. It sure and does. Who has time for that shit? <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you could snapshot it. Yeah. And, well, you know, have we also one, never but. ever change the hardware specs. We might change the database schema, but Django does that, and so we never actually have to touch those RDS instances. Once we've allocated them, they they just live there, right? I mean, I feel a need to to take a pause here and say for those of you who build JavaScript applications, um, <laughs> this da- would be the MongoDB. Yeah, is yeah. And, RDS. And, um, <laughs> a server is. Yeah, and 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 these relational databases tend to have important information in them that you can't lose, right, uh, yeah. and so that's yeah. kind of the the context there. A little bit so, more bulletproof than they, a document. Uh, 
By the way, Blake couldn't make it today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for a Blake reference. Uh, sorry, Where's Blake. Where's our comb? Sorry, Blake. He'll be back in two weeks, he told me. Two All weeks. All right. Good deal. <laughs> I'm sorry well, I missed Blake. What, what is interesting, though, is I was just thinking, because like I pull up an RDS, like I, I'm in, in like the EC2 panel, and everything's got like real technical names. Nothing has these like colloquial names or fun <laughs> names. You yeah. know, I worked at a place where one was like the planets of the solar system. Right. One was like uh, the cat, uh, the characters of Lord of the Rings. Nice. And I don't, yeah. I don't pull up any EC2 panel and be like right. Legolas, yeah. Gimli. Yeah. You know, and and you they're you, not characters you, from exactly. Lost. I had characters yeah. from Lost in a in a Leno <laughs> But but the name. Nice. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> I regretted it around season five. As, as you should. <laughs> <laughs> but you, everything is far more. Um, like pertinent information now because we we expect yeah. them to be ephemeral. We yeah. expect to knock them down, and so we don't yeah. have that same kind of like uh, affection for them in a weird way because they're servers, obviously. Yeah, because now yeah. you pull up the you pull up AWS and they all have names, and it just it's sixteen characters of hex- hexadecimal. And, right. Yeah. Well, and right. you can change those though. Yeah. Like you, you can, can tag them. You well, can take the time and tag them differently, right. but no one yeah. does. Well, in the way so that they, they have before. Some because of them they have live... descriptive names and so on, but. Yeah, but but in, in a lot of cases they end up living. I mean, like in in uh, in your test environment in this project, not not the production environment, your test environment. I mean, these these things are up and gone forty minutes later when the tests are done. Right, and and when we're building stuff with things like Terraform or other scripts, yeah. we're not building our scripts to be like, let's call this one Julian. Yeah, like it's right. just not how we operate. If you if you were naming it after Lord of the Rings character, and believe me, there's plenty, but you'd be <laughs> you'd be deep into second rank Urukai by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd have yeah. to read the Silmarillion. Yeah, yeah. The appendices. I, I tried that once. It did yeah. not end well. It's a, I read it's the summer read. You got all I the way through it, the summer I was in like seventh grade. Yeah, I read it all the way through. See, I tried it in seventh book grade. Seventh grade is impressive. Yep. See, I tried it in like ninth grade, and then I realized I'm just reading a history textbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not fun. I, I so have if no I'm gonna idea do that, why. It might as well be a real history. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea why it captivated me. Maybe because it wasn't a real history. But yeah, I can see around It's somewhere between a real history and like in a. And a, and a religious text of a certain sort, yeah. you know. From from what I, yeah. I only made it. I've read like maybe twenty yeah, percent of it. Or a lot of it like reads that. like Kings, right? Where it's yeah. just listing yeah, we'll all the yeah. 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 such yeah. and such, and such, such, and such yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's you know. <laughs> so so, uh, I, I I'm I'm compelled now to build an API service that you can hit in Terraform that names your machines after like second rank Urukai because I know that right. someone's it done should. the list and uh, that would be. You'd fun. have to do like Heroku though, and give like have a couple different sets of randomized uh, portions of be your like name. three you, portions. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd have to, or, or you could like be descriptive. It could be like yeah. angry, uh, angry Urukai sergeant. Yeah, exactly. Whoever, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so cats not or cats. Uh, uh, pets not cats. cattle. Cats not. Cattle. Some some people think cats are pets. I disagree. But uh, cats are more like co. They 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 share the same spaces. They don't consider themselves your pets. No, but. totally. No, they're roommates. Yeah, cats are more like containers than virtual environments. Uh, so so so. Um, Cattle, cattle, not pets, right? And Kubernetes, that's that's, that's, that's cats. yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's an accurate. Description to a certain extent. So, okay, you have a very um, this is this is a personal observation. Um, you have a very unique way of being able to capture and describe things, especially when talking to engineers. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear because 
Um, good luck explaining to a lot of engineers, me included, and a lot of us from from not long ago, on what Kubernetes, ex- just what exactly yep. it is and what it does. If if you haven't worked with it, even if you like work with Docker, it, mm. it may not be abundantly clear exactly what it does and all the things it does. So how would you succinctly describe Kubernetes to our Listeners who are uh, lost and confused, uh, people looking for all things considered. Container think, orchestration. Right. So go look up container orchestration. But while you're doing that, the, the way I'll explain that is I can explain to you what Kubernetes is like I can explain to you what an electron is. The thing is, <laughs> nobody knows what it is. This, this we is know what, what it does. <laughs> we don't know. We don't. We, it's a name for something that we can't explain. I can't tell you what Kubernetes is. I can tell you what it does and how how it, how it helps solve problems. That, that we, we can we observe have. it, but but yeah. much like we, we can't much like the, the, yeah. the, the Copenhagen. Uh, what is it? The Copenhagen Copenhagen interpretation. Interpretation. Uh, and, and, by, by observing it, you change its behavior. But that's right. That's right. <laughs> and in. The, in the spirit of like of of what it does, you know, like I I like what's what's a really good application for it, right? Like, do I need Kubernetes for my blog? Right, you certainly could. I mean, for my yeah, you I could put WordPress on my Kubernetes, yeah. yeah. But 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 a better a better concept might be um, Kubernetes would be an exceptional way to run a shared hosting platform on three computers instead of a dedicated machine to every host, right, or to to every client. Um, so. You know, let's let's back up a little bit and and talk about the evolution that that got us here on that project, right? I okay. mean, we start with servers that we allocate with Terraform code. And well, we Terraform start code, we start with a Mac Mini on someone's desk. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then after that, so once you get this thing, you build an app, right? You need to deploy it to the cloud. You need people to use it. And when we started this project, the the sort of you know. Maybe not bleeding edge, but essentially cutting edge way of doing that was to deploy the application to a server that you allocated in the cloud, right? You go to Amazon EC2, you allocate an instance, and then you deploy code to it. Then you hook up all the networking and it works. You do that by hand the first time. And then, you know, if you want to actually do DevOps, then you, you know, encode all of that into code that you can check into a repository, Terraform code that builds what you need, right? But the way we were doing that was just starting with kind of a base Ubuntu image and then deploying that server and then using another script to deploy our code to, 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 set, to provision that server, to set it up the way it needed to be and to get all of our code there and to turn everything on. Yeah. But that's done after the machine was allocated. The machine right? came up with an image, an, an AMI, right. an Amazon machine image, which was an Ubuntu server that empty. had shit on it. it was, right. I mean, it wasn't totally it, empty. It, it was, was configured yeah. in as much as like it was a machine that booted and, and did something, right? but nothing well, specific a, to our it's application. It's a basic Ubuntu deployment, right? Yeah. You have a server that's, that's running an OS. Back then, in the good old days yeah, when you right. slid, yeah. when you went down to the server room to go see what the hell Bart was up to and you slid yeah, yeah. a disk into it and yeah. said, alright, Ubuntu 804, here and we go. That's what's cool. You know, Amazon scratch. AMI's made that even way cooler. Of right. like, yeah. well, at least so we're doing the same know. thing, but at a more abstracted level, right? right. But, right. but we're still we're setting up a machine and then we're putting our code on it. And when our code changes, we just go put our code on it again. Right? right. And so if someone's come in and they've changed some configuration files on that machine, well, those are going to be there. They're not going to get replaced by the next deploy. Right. So the next step in the evolution was. I think instead, we were using Fabric then. 
fabric. That's how that yeah, was. Right. Fabric Deployment was fabric. like just was kind checking of the precursor out. to well, Ansible. Yeah, right. fabric is like a fabric, great way. And then we went to Ansible, but yeah. we're still we're still redeploying to existing servers right. instead of allocating new servers each time. Right. So the next step in the evolution was instead of first deploying the cluster and then allocating it by you know then provisioning it by putting our code on it. Instead of doing that, we build an image. It's not a Docker image. It's a it's an AMI. It's an Amazon AMI. I'll let you people can go Google that. But um, you can build them with a tool called Packer. And so also I took the same made by HashiCorp. Same company. Also made by Ansible. Same as Terraform. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I took those same Ansible scripts, adapted them slightly, and used them to build an AMI image instead of provisioning an existing server. And, and, and you, then you did this by Terraform. actually you actually would you would actually build an EC2 box. Packer and, does and the Packer tool. It so takes care of all. So that it, it actually stands. Yeah. It does the same thing, right? That's it actually right. automates. It stands up one but it version. Takes a snapshot of that, and then image snaps that as an image, ready. and then yeah, you right. can take that image and throw it in an auto scale group. So if the auto scale group auto scales, right. you don't like before auto scaling was like theoretically there. Yeah, right. But like when it auto scaled, an empty machine came up that was like, where Without do I do code, now? Yeah. yeah, and you had to actually deploy to it. So this yeah. is an image comes up and it actually boots with the running application on it. And so point. our DevOps process went from, you know, allocating a server with Terraform and then provisioning it with Ansible. We switched that and we used the Ansible to um, define, to build and define an image um, an AMI image that we then deploy with Terraform. So we kind of switch the order. Yeah. Right? You so, build it and then deploy it so instead of deploying Terraform, it and then building it. Go give right. me three T2 mediums and use this AMI, which has our app ready which to go. Which has already been, already been allocated. Right. And so deployment became uh, um, a more resilient process because you build a new image each time and then deploy it. It also took a lot longer because we're not deploying in place to hardware that's already there, right? Yep. Um, but sad, we, sad day, by the way, Alan. I, I should have used. I should have used your life hack well, of bringing the second one. I mean, in. I'm pacing myself. I'm about to have to go get this refill. If you, I, if you, will you do a refill run? <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, I don't know if you have enough hands. Yeah. Yeah. I went with a big fat glass of bourbon here. That's a, okay. a smart you plan. Look like you're doing all right. Strategic. I'm, I'm yeah. All okay. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll be back. Oh, good man. Yeah. To be continued. Yeah, <laughs> you guys carry on. Sorry, I, I, I cut you it's off. This is important stuff. Yes. Uh, no rolling rolling deploys. Okay, got it. So we went from what? What's what do you call a not rolling deploy? Uh, Static. Well, it depends. There's blue green deploy. You build a whole environment, switch it. But like down down the scale from that. Yeah, we're not even switching. It's just like I'm gonna roll out and everything's gonna die for like a minute. In in place deployment. Uh, A really terrible deployment. So we went from in place deployment to rolling deployment. Uh, Well, uh, at the very least. We're building a new server before we actually deploy it, yeah. um, right. which in practice didn't end up gaining us that much because I had to put all those steps in a script so everyone else could use it, and they just use the whole thing all at once. And right. so we don't actually end up getting the benefit from those rolling deploys that, that we should have. Um, so, you know, but along the way, there's still all of these problems that you run into, right? Uh, it's It can be difficult to roll back. There, you know, you, you don't, we really didn't have adequate testing in place. You know, we did have a CI pipeline, but it didn't do enough. And so all of the problems that you end up with 
you know, with a, even with rolling deploys, so that was the next step in our evolution, but where we're going now is taking that even further into containerization, you know, an approximation of microservices. We still have a pretty big web, you know, app right. and so on, but the idea is that it functions, you know, th that all of the other services, uh, instead of being deployed to their own clusters, will be available in the Kubernetes cluster in the same way. Right? So, so specifically of, um, of that, uh, of the problems there, and like not having test coverage, yeah. consistent it's problem. Separate problem. Right. It, it, it like could have been fixed without Kubernetes. But like mm -hmm. what, what, what kind of problems in that particular environment? Because I think it's important, you pointed out, um, not quite there on microservices. Definitely moving that direction. There are multiple moving pieces. It's not just a yeah, web yeah. server slinging code. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, we have um, asynchronous tasks. Um, we've got queuing systems. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of pieces moving. And, and, and in, in a normal functioning environment of that application, even without scale, to serve one user, yeah. there were five or six machines in a stack to do right. that, right? right. So, so that has been consolidated in Kubernetes. But, but we're not getting the benefits yet of like we have an authentication service that we can scale independently from everything else. So what problems yeah. did it solve? Or, it, the, it, or is it poised to solve, I should say? Poised to, poised to solve. Um, so one is an arbitrary number of stacks. Um, in, in the conventional deployment system, we have to have Terraform code for each and every stack that we deploy. And so um, you end up with you know, either repeated code or just a lot of, uh, you know, generalized code that you have to manage for all of those stacks, right? Um, and if you have, say, you know, a couple of different production stacks in different regions or whatever, you have staging stacks, you have testing stacks, you don't always know how many testing stacks you're going to need. Right. Um, you're very, with a conventional deployment system, the way, you know, without Kubernetes at least, you're much more limited in the number of stacks you can have ease. When I say stack, I mean a full application stack with all of its dependencies. Right. Um, the web app, the workers, the, the supporting uh, services. Load so balancers, on. databases. Right. Everything, everything that's needed to, to run the application, to run an instance of the application. S3 buckets, um, hamsters so, and wheels. <laughs> yeah, right. So Kubernetes makes it really easy to um, have... Not even fungible stacks necessarily, though that's another thing you can do. Of course, you can have as many inst instances of a particular version of the app as you want. You can have different versions of the app running at the same time, all sharing hardware, right? right. And that's a big that's a big point there. Yeah, yeah, because you not, could do all that with AMIs theoretically. Right, sure. But this is very efficient. The the, right? the, the thing right. here is like one T two medium could, mm -hmm. in theory, have if you don't have really memory constraints. Yeah, they could share the CPU, and and one might bog the other. But like if, yep. if there's no memory constraints, lots and lots of these containers running on. On this pool of, of what may be small servers or whatever, but but yeah. definitely packed in together um, in this way that's really transparent to you as the developer uh, or user of like where is my service even running mm -hmm. somewhere in this cluster? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, like Docker Swarm is actually a very approachable way to start looking at clustering. It, mm -hmm. it is way easier to set up and test. It's much easier to understand too than Kubernetes. Yeah, yeah. if you already know. 
That if you already know what Docker is and how to use it, like that's a whole other question. So, so, so Alan, yeah. when we were building our eDiscovery app, yep. before we we knew that it was it had a lot of microservices. It had, I mean, you've worked with us on eDiscovery projects. It mm-hmm. was it was just a further evolution of that. You know yeah, how yeah. many yeah. So outside we, dependencies there are. Right. We had uh, you know PDF generation, right? We yeah. Had text parsing. OCR. And, yeah. Um, um, we had just a, a, diff, a, a, a queuing and, and a data pipelines. We had workers that were just orchestrating like the processing of data. Yeah, so three or four microservices, you know, on this thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and plus plus web services. Yeah, plus worker queues, plus yeah. RabbitMQ, like the, all that stuff, right? So yeah. I think we actually ended up having like in when we got it to Kubernetes, like a production version that had almost a dozen pods running. Of 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 independent services running in there, but before we went to Kubernetes with it, we tried Docker Swarm. We did, and then we got it set up quickly. And I remember, (laughs) if you have trouble understanding what Kubernetes is and does, Mm. my suggestion is to go try Docker Swarm. And there, I forget the name of the app. Maybe I can look that up. There was like Uh, a a Node.js. Yeah, it was just like a, a, a. There was a dashboard that let you see what the hell it was doing. You could just it basically visualize. Here's here's a here's n number of rectangles where n is the number of workers in your pool, in your cluster, and then it would divide them up and show you what containers were there. Oh, the nodes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could, in the nodes, you could, you could see what containers were running and on which one, and like that, it came up for the first time, and we're like, oh. Yeah, right. <laughs> I see. <laughs> like, that's, that for whatever reason, Visualization the, the swarm matters, gods yeah. have decided yeah. that my three web services are on this one, but I didn't tell it where to go and just put it. Yeah. And then we watched them, and we watched them start moving around yeah, yeah, as yeah. we were hitting yeah. it and stuff like that. Yeah. The nodes would get deployed it's here and allocating there. resources. Yeah. And and then on that, you know, that's we ended up on Kubernetes because we gave that a try and immediately could see how much better at it that was oh, yeah. than Docker Swarm. Yeah. Right? Nice. yeah so so Swarm, we were like bolting on this Node app to visualize it, um, which gave you, you know. One, one, maybe two yeah. percent of the power of the actual Kubernetes dashboard. Yeah. So like we saw what it was doing and it was cool, and then it started doing shit we didn't want it to do. Yeah. And it was like right. how do we configure it? And there wasn't an API. Yeah. Remember there was some service that kept swapping back and forth between machines. For, this was uh, admittedly over a year ago. Swarms come along. Right. right they have an enterprise right, version right. now. It may be great. I don't know. All I know is then what I based on my my knowledge from over a year ago. Uh, or January of last year is like yeah. Swarm is a great way to understand container orchestration. You should totally install that, set it up, try it, yeah. and then move to Kubernetes and don't use That's it in right. production. Yeah. That was my experience. I at think the time. I think one of the things that made it really easy was like it it uses Docker Compose. So like once right. you figure out Docker well, Compose the same syntax. and all that, right. yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. The advantage to a developer is you don't have to go learn all the Kubernetes syntax. It's kind of, of it's is, kind of annoying to build um, Kubernetes. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? Not configuration specs. Files. Specs. specs. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and you found a, a tool lot to that it. converts Docker Compose files to yeah. Kubernetes specs, but like it's it gets not you perfect like, though. It's like, like you 80%. still have to tune stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. computers did. talk to computers. It probably got me it's about eighty percent. Yeah. 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 I mean, you as soon as code can like write code, we're all done. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a, a Google Home and a, an Amazon Echo talking to each yeah, other. Yeah. It's Alexa, Alexa and Siri trying to tell a knock knock joke back and forth. It they feel satisfied by the end of it, but or or like when a whistle wig. 
in right. like some yeah, sort yeah. of CMS generates code. Yeah. You have to go try and modify that. Yeah. Oh, so terrible. That's oh, a great yeah. way to say it. So terrible. It's it's you you use what is that called that um, generates uh, specs from Docker Compose? Is that built into Kubernetes? Uh, oh. No, that was uh, composed with a K. With a K. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah. put it with I'll, a K. Let me of find that one. It'll too. be yeah. in the show yeah. notes. But Compose, yeah. um, the output of that is a is a Kubernetes uh, spec. Uh, that came from like Adobe Dreamweaver. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, yeah. wow. Is that burn? Is that yeah. too? That hurts. No, so that go too bad. hard. That, <laughs> that, you're just hearing old synapses fire. Yeah, that's right. Well. That, yeah, that, was the, that was the call of oh, nostalgia man. that you just heard. Yeah, yeah. 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 you're welcome. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> panicked. I suddenly, <laughs> I, I felt a great disturbance in the force. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, at least code I writing code it tends to not write very good code. We find, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I, well, Django's an exception. That like the the templates and stuff that you get for certain things can sometimes be okay, but you know, that's code that's, can't that's really hardly, write code yet. That's uh, hardly code generation, right. though. I mean, that's that is you know that that is literally like. Text file Mad Libs. Yeah, it's yes, like exactly. configuration file yeah. Yeah. creation. That was still yeah. written by a programmer at some point back right. there. Right? And it's just <laughs> strings are getting plugged into holes. It's not nearly the same as that, although yeah. you know, there's there's all that crazy, um, what's the word for it? It's not compiling, but... Uh, Trans- you know, uh, transpiling, transpiling in JavaScript land, where interpolation. code threading code. Although we don't spend a lot of time looking at what the hell ends up in our Webpack bundle, we just assume that it right. did the right thing. I, I assume that's probably pretty gnarly. Code. And then, so there are lots of cases of that, right? But it works. You just don't see the problem with using Compose um, mm. with a K is what we've found, and we may be wrong, and please go to the website and tell us a better way. Yeah, right. That tool might have gotten better, too. Sure, but but tell us if there's a better way. But in local environments, we haven't really been running Kubernetes locally. We've been maintaining a Docker Compose stack and having to keep that in parity with what we deploy to Kubernetes. The problem is that code writes code. What gets generated by Compose with a K has to be maintained independently of Docker Compose, and so there's no editability. Like, well, least, you have to think about a few different things with Kubernetes that you don't with Docker Compose. Sure, right, right. I mean, you, I, you have Docker Compose can safely assume that all your shits on one node. That's right, right. This is all on one machine, right? right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's no network there's, in between and me and my. You don't have to deal with any of that. And, like, yeah. you don't have to worry. Uh, I don't know. Can you put resource limits in Docker Compose? I, I don't guess think you probably so. can, but, but I've never tried. Maybe would, with Docker yeah. Compose three or four, whichever one we're on. I now, mean, I think too. Docker Compose's resource limits are the are the resource limits of the machine, right? Right, right, right. Um, or, or maybe the virtual machine, because so I think it, it so it works off of uh, your your Docker machine, right. like locally. So on Mac, you know, that's that's the guy you go up top there, and you mm-hmm. can. Restart it or whatever. It's the, it's the thing that I kill every time I start my computer, unless yeah, I'm working yeah. on. Yeah, on the discovery side, remember I I had to crank everything up to to run it locally. Oh yeah, that bad boy uh, needed yeah. that bad boy. I had to give eight, it all. Cores. The, yeah. yeah, I had to give it all. Well, my everyone, resources. everyone on the team was working on that for a couple months, and it was like great. You could walk out into the main work floor, and you could hear all, all of, the fans, all of the fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's hard if you're not yeah. if you work in Python a lot, and you're not doing uh, it's it's single threaded. It's not multi process. It's yeah. hard to write Python code that, yeah. that gets the fans whirring on a MacBook Pro. Yep. But that app, man, uh, yeah. it sounded like a fu- <laughs> like the Johnson Space Center out yeah. there. Uh, or Kennedy. Which, which one did they actually launch rockets from? Is it Johnson or Kennedy? Kennedy, I think. Kennedy, Kennedy I think. It sounded like a rocket taking off, yeah. Um, yeah. folks. That's, that's what I'm trying to get to you. I this machine wouldn't survive. 
but we, uh, we but put, it did. So. There it is. You know, people, I keep waiting for mine to die, and it yours keeps is not like, dying. So yours is amazing. As long as it keeps going, I'll keep what, using What year it. is that thing? 2012. Mm. Oh, wow. 2012 was a good year. I've got a 2012. Yeah. Vintage. Uh, that was the yeah. best year for yeah. MacBook Pros, apparently. I've got a, a 2012 Pro Retina that is definitely feeling the age. Like I'm, Yours is I'm, damn near bulletproof. Do you even have an S? Did you spec it up with an SSD when you bought it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, so that, that, that's yeah, why. That's, that's the, the difference. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was I an went, option. I went old school. It's only it's only did half not, a gig though, mm. so I'm always running out of space. Oh, uh, fuck you! Wait, half a yeah, you need half, half a terabyte. Half a terabyte. Yeah, I've got a quarter of. Them. We've got two fifty. Yeah. yeah, we've got we've got two hundred two hundred fifty gigs on yeah. on these SSDs because the damn half. We're we're a real company and we're making real money. <laughs> but uh, when we were buying machines a while back, we were a little bit cheaper and we didn't spec up the hard drives. And I had yeah. Ben and I were talking about this today. The next time we do hardware refreshes, the only thing that we're gonna do, we I would opt for less processor power yep. and more hard drive space. Yep. Yeah, in a absolutely. Oh, a half a terabyte's not enough. I run out all the time. Believe I, me, yeah. I, oh, well, I mean, I, I believe you because uh, today it's Friday. It's the end of the week and I ran out of hard drive space mm. again, as I've mentioned <laughs> on this show. Did you purge your, your Docker? I, purged, I, I went and purged my Docker images <laughs> yeah. again, as yeah. I do once yeah. a week. And I also had to delete uh, our podcast from my <laughs> computer as well as other podcasts. Yeah, those wave files, they're, uh, yeah. they're massive. Yeah. No, shit, we record an MP3 now well I'm, i compress it on the thing because i can't afford to have a gig per episode <laughs> fair enough yeah yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. a gig per episode that's that's a day of my week uh so so yeah uh hard drive space is a big thing but yeah so so having an ssd on thing that that's a, i have a 2011 uh, imac which is awesome except it's got a 5400 rpm old school drive uh it's like it's nice. like it's like dispatching bacteria across the platters to write you, stuff. You it's get to really listen slow. to the tick sound too. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. H- hear the head crash after all these years. <laughs> uh, but uh, man, I that well, where were we? Why is Kubernetes good? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, why do it? Why yeah. why, 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 why endure the pain? Yeah. Why, oh, this is why good. Kubernetes. Yeah. So when I first started looking into container orchestration, I wanted to do Docker Swarm. Basically, because I didn't want to have to go learn Kubernetes, and I'd already it was approachable. How to use I think we it all. Was more, I, I wanted to use Docker right? Swarm in the in the same way that when I started a company, I wanted to sell to small businesses. It just right. seemed a whole lot fucking easier, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and it is easier at first. It but just it doesn't, doesn't pay off very much, much does yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. lesson so learned. <laughs> why, why is Kubernetes b- bigger? Well, for one thing, why is Kubernetes better? For one thing, it's a lot bigger. It's the uh, you know, it's the biggest open source project there is, at least. As of a few months ago, I assume it's oh, really is. Um, there's a there's huge uh, you know huge community, huge support, huge sort of ancillary projects that are already being built up to solve you know common problems in Kubernetes. One of which is Prometheus, the uh, uh, you know monitoring database. Uh, it's a pool based database instead of push. Um, the dashboard, I think, is actually like an open source right. separate thing. So there's all yeah. these open source tools yeah. clustered around Kubernetes, is, is and Kubernetes, there's ways of is doing... It, is it governed by the Cloud Native Foundation? Is that the, yeah. is that the group? And, so yeah. the, you, and their only other project is Prometheus, right. the mm-hmm. database for monitoring. Well, and then, a, and then a bunch of... If you go to the Cloud Native Foundation, they actually have a lot of stuff that... And I, don't, I don't know how it works. They endorse it. I don't know if they produce it entirely, but they're, they're becoming a force. Because I mm-hmm. saw that, and I, and I looked at it, and I wondered... They own Kubernetes, right? Like and Prometheus, right? So, I, I just I look at them and I wonder, hey, is this the next Apache? Right? Is this right. is this where that goes? Right. 
or or, so, or maybe at a higher level, do we see some major collision between well, those two galaxies that merge at some point? You know, and the other thing about Kubernetes is it's actually been around for quite a while now. Um, it's been around since before Docker. <laughs> well, maybe not before Docker, but before Docker mattered. Right. Um, you yeah, know, Google was Google, using and Kubernetes. They called it Borg. They called it Borg, yep. and they were using this system with Linux containers. LXC right? containers, which is, uh, which is apparently a lot more complicated. I haven't looked into how you. Well, do it, so but that goes way back. Yeah, I mean, they go back like to like 2009 old, or something like that. Tech. And they were yeah. they were around old. forever, and and no one could. I mean, like in the same way that remember trying to wrap your head around containerization period. Right. People looked at it and said, "What the fuck is this? What is that? How yeah. am I supposed yeah. to use it?" It was so hard. I did yeah. I did it one one time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't fun. Well, even just and trying I didn't to explain, even really know what I did. Yeah. Explain what Docker is to, don't even try to explain it to someone who doesn't do software development, but try to explain it to someone who does software development who's never used Docker. Right. Like, even if you already know how Hard computers enough. work, explaining what a yeah. Docker image is, yeah. is it, what a container is. I, I, I tell people Docker images are crystallized RAM. That's the easiest way I can think of. I mean, you take, yeah. you load all your shit into memory, install everything that you need, and when you're happy with it all, you take a snapshot of it. And that's your Docker image. In order to run that image, you have to have the framework, right? right. And the but framework knows how to talk to the OS yeah. and only ask it for the things it actually needs, yeah. right? But and inside that container, there's, there's not a there's huge nothing extra. It's there's not nothing like a, in there that you don't need. It's not like a virtual machine where there's this huge right. like adapter layer that like the virtual machine, the the OS in the virtual machine says like, give me a sound card, and then the virtualization layer is like. Here's a sound card that you know how to talk to. Just yeah. kidding. I'm pretending and I'm translating it all in software. Right. Whereas the Docker containers are like, give me a sound card, and it's just working with the operating system at its native layer. It cuts yeah. out that middle layer. And so when you when you build an image and it's pulling all those layers, right? It, it's it's able to do a diff against what you already have and be able to see, you know, what it needs to pull down. And and that was one of the hardest things for me to grasp. But like once I got the, the file idea system layers that it's doing layers, it, yeah. it made it a lot more approachable. You yeah. know, because because like how do I handle, you know, like I need to write a file maybe inside this container, which is try not to. If, right, right. If it's ephemeral. Okay. Right? You need to find you need it to might find not be there when it. you look for it the yeah, next time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to put a disclaimer on. I have no fucking idea if a Docker container can actually talk to a sound card because that's not what they're used for. It's not the kind of hardware you they can, interface with, but I assume so. You can uh, I haven't done it's it a, yet, but I've been looking into it. You can do like uh, you can do uh, let's say there's headless, you can do a headful um, mm-hmm. container like like you could um, Virtual box, but you can like an, attach a display to it, essentially, yeah. or a virtualized display. Yeah. So, so I, I assume so. I mean, at a fundamental level, I mean, it, it, it can talk. I've never had to try to do that. No, uh, right. Yeah. I'm There's building web either. apps. They don't. They don't need sound. Luckily or, or enough, UI. Yeah. Yeah. Through yeah. through through magic and um, um, the residual effects of Red Bull and pizza. Docker can talk directly to the hardware without a virtualization layer. That's that's nice. that is far beyond my my true understanding of it. But but even that is hard enough to get the idea across. And, and so it, to explain doc what Docker is to someone, you basically have to explain to them what virtualization is first, right? right? right. Which isn't that hard, right? And then you sort of explain that well, Docker gives you all the parts you need without all the parts you don't. Right? Yeah, and even so, though, um, without the without the context, without the pain. 
I think, right. I think there, there's pain well, involved here. And that's, that, not the pain of spinning up like vagrant boxes and watching. Yep. Well, yeah. I, I guess we haven't solved the hard drive portion of the pain, but that's like right. you know, like without like without seeing that and 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 seeing what it takes, and like you actually install the operating system, and it actually takes more time than if you installed it directly on the hardware. Yeah. Because you only get about eighty percent of the hardware's performance. You know. Mm. And I mean, and potentially it does take up more space because if you were running multiple Ubuntu uh, vagrant. You know, boxes. Then, then that's a virtual machine times whatever running on your machine, and, and yeah. so Docker can use some of those layers and I just much feel, more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just feel like without context, without like the without having gone through and done it, it's very easy to take for granted. Like, oh, okay, cool, another layer on top of virtualization. And Got so, it. and it's also mm-hmm. all this extra complexity. Why should I go learn that if I haven't felt the Pain. I don't. I'm not motivated to go learn that. And the same is true of Kubernetes and orchestration. So, so general. I talked about Kubernetes and Swarm. And Swarm. I turned on Swarm. Alan, you and I did. And we had that 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 dashboard in front of us, and we watched containers moving between the hoods because the containers were crashing. By the way, that's why they were bouncing yeah. all over the place. Mm, yeah. But they were coming back up. They and were like we had. We, it was like OOMing almost instantaneously. But the service never went down. Right. Right. We were still <laughs> able to hit the app, but it was bouncing all over the yeah. place. But yeah. then, then it was like aha light bulb moment. Same yeah. thing I had with Docker was on the project that you're on. Same yeah. one we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. The first time we 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 set up Docker containers images that ran it, and um, we built two images on the machine, and then we turned one off. Yeah. And we turned, we built a new image of a new deploy. And we had the app running, and yep. we turned the other one on, and the app had been deployed from a local perspective. It yep. had been deployed, yep. and it took about one and a half seconds. Yep. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, Terraform, stand up a box, give me, you know, or, or just like even with a box that was already, we didn't do any Terraform. The Ansible scripts took 25 minutes yep. to actually deploy a new version. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Apps off, apps on, new version, yeah. and it was like a light bulb hit. And I was like, I still don't understand how it does it right. necessarily, but I understand the need that is it. valuable. The value. Right? Yeah. 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 I don't course, understand how electrons work exactly, but I know that, a light's right. good. Uh, yeah. Electricity's handy. Yeah. 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 It really helps my voice get to the YouTubes. And so... You know that's the value of Kubernetes is that it solves so much of those the the pain so many of the pain points that we've had up to this point. And if you go read a DevOps book about Kubernetes, that's you know that I very much recommend Victor Forsick's books. I've been I've learned probably most of what I know about this stuff from, or at least that was my starting point. Um, and he talks about that right. He's been in software for a long time. He talks about writing, you know. Basic before it got the visual prefix, and uh, you know ASP it. before it got the dot net suffix, <laughs> and, and other things. Right, just been around a long time. Right, right. seen all of the pain points, and you just you see how the previous generation of technology ends up failing people and what they have to do to work around those failures. Right. And then the newer you see that the newer generation solves those almost always by adding more complexity, right? I right. mean, you are going to have to go learn stuff. Uh, that's, that's part we, of it. We talked but about- everyone is learning this. Kubernetes is everywhere. You have to do you know, it. Yeah. You have to do you, it. You have to do it. And it gives you, as an organization, one of the advantages of Kubernetes is developer portability, yeah. right? I mean, uh, if if someone's built something that works in Kubernetes, another engineer, while they might not have built it the same way, should be able to pretty easily read it and see what it's yeah. doing, right? I, mean, I feel pretty confident, and this is, I think, a bold statement, but I feel pretty confident that if you are, if, if you're a manager in an organization and you're not using Kubernetes, you have to do it. Yeah. If you're a developer in the field, 
and you don't know how it works or, or if you're full stack. I mean, maybe some orgs, you get the benefit of not having ops, but like DevOps right. is great. Learn how to do your own ops. I think that'll 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 be a huge benefit for it's, you. But if you're in a DevOps right. environment and you and you as a developer don't understand Kubernetes, you also have to do it. I mean, this is a thing yeah. that this it's thing not going away, and it's gonna it's yeah. gonna drop you and leave you in its dust well, if it doesn't. Right. I, I would say that's where it's the DevOps equivalent right. of JavaScript. Right? What? <laughs> I know because it's everywhere now, and it's going to continue. And it's going to eat the gonna, world. Yeah, it's going to eat the world, and more and more things are going to be built on it. It's, it's actually solving. Support, it's actually solving problems. Though. Oh yeah, so that's, way, that's way, way better designed than JavaScript. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I just mean Sorry. in its necessity. Yeah, like in yeah, that. That's right. You can't. You don't do have a choice. Like everybody has JavaScript. to know some JavaScript. That's right. Whether you want to learn a framework or just like. Like soldier on in there is one side computing programming language. There's only one. It's the one. That's JavaScript, and Uh, you got to use it. I mean, Kubernetes fundamentally stands to be the one DevOps system. It's getting bigger and bigger. And so when I first started looking at this stuff, it wasn't completely clear that Kubernetes was going to eclipse Docker Swarm. Now it's completely clear that it has. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, for sure. There's no comparison. Yeah, they they don't even try. And and to be fair, Docker Swarm would have been like the Elm. Of, right, right. Of, of of JavaScript. Does does Kubernetes become a JavaScript in as much as it is the one and only one? Probably not. Yeah. But 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 it is the one oh, right I, now. I would say it is. Yeah, it is I, right I would now. say it will be. I mean, yeah. and it's so it's because so you complex. See, I have a hard time seeing anyone build another container orchestration platform. I think people might extend Kubernetes and change it in various ways. Well, that, that that's a possibility. Is there going to ever right? be a Kubernetes competitor? Well, maybe eventually if it if it's Stand still long enough. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make, though, is even if that were the case, even if yeah. there were the possibility of a different Kubernetes, learning orchestration, right? Yeah, that's a must. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that absolutely. is that is certain. If you're not learning that, um, and you're not developing that skill set, and and you're not developing that practice within your organization, you are getting left behind. And this. The faster, syntax is faster not, than you realize. The right. syntax is not the hard part of learning Kubernetes. No, it's right? actually it's really it's, yeah. it's straightforward. It's easy super to read easy once to learn how learning to learn. Learning the concepts it. is kind of hard. Like, it's yeah. it's, yeah. The, oh, it's yeah. the mental gymnastics of what the fuck is it it's exactly is it way doing? Of doing things. So yeah. so and, and how do either, I write my app to leverage it? Is so important. part of what you have to understand uh, is basic clustering, right? How does how do, what is a cluster? My understanding of that came from my work with Elasticsearch, right? I mean, right. I have some idea of how you take yeah, nodes masters versus and then nodes you put data on stuff, those right. nodes and you distribute that node that data among the nodes in a replicated, you know, consistent, available kind of way. Well, Kubernetes is doing all those things too. It's doing it with your computation. It's doing it with your yeah. web app. Yeah, it's right? doing it with. It's not doing just it with Docker. Data. Data. Right. Yeah. It's not just data. It's, it's not, not just JSON. Right. Yeah. And so there's there's that whole network, uh, you know, cluster layer of computation that's happening. But then it's what Kubernetes is doing with that cluster that's new and different. Right. It's not just shuffling data around. It's not just replicating things. Though it is doing all those things. It's also it's making this work in real time. It's doing the networking that makes you know you as an end user. You go hit a website. You have no idea what it took to serve your request, but behind the scenes, Kubernetes has routed that to any number of maybe thousands of instances of your application right. running at the same time. Right. Right. It, there's really not an upper limit uh, in term it, theoretically, at least, and so you can have. Vast complexity, many, many, many different things all running at the same time in, in you know, huge replication. And if you tried to manage things, uh, if you tried to manage the DevOps 
of applications at that scale without container orchestration, right. you'd never be able to get it done. Docker using containerization and orchestration opens up scales of application deployment that just weren't available before for one thing. Now, if your app doesn't, if your whatever you're doing with it doesn't need all that scale, then that doesn't really gain you that much, but it gains you other things. Portability, right? Portability Um. is one thing. Another is uh, it makes it very, very easy to set up self-healing applications Mm. so that if something falls over for a known reason, it doesn't make your stack it doesn't it doesn't destroy your website right everything can still work right as long as you set all that stuff up right it also meshes very very nicely with continuous integration the the triumvirate of microservices containerization and continuous integration are where you get the real power from all of this stuff it's when you use docker and kubernetes and Circle CI or God forbid Jenkins or whatever it is that you have to use. <laughs> if you spin up Windows ninety five to run yeah. your Kubernetes clusters yeah, on right. Jenkins, but <laughs> wow. or there's don't forget but about Travis and GitLab. Right. Let's be right, fair. Right, but right. but yeah. So like, it's those things together, right? It's those three things together that give you the great power. If you only have containerization and you only have continuous integration, well you still have to deploy your app somehow. If you have let's, the other let's, two, let's point out though that that continuous integration as we know it would not exist without containerization. Right. Containerization is what made that what yeah, it is. And so, true. so if you don't use Docker, if you don't you're not in uh, containerization, but you've used maybe Circle CI, that's the magic, right? Of you're using how Docker. is how you're is already it, using yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you're writing <laughs> Docker Compose they, files. You, it's just a Circle well, CI. They're file. They're containerizing whatever you're telling them to do. Hey, I have I mean, to I have to pause for a minute and say I'm I'm sorry to everyone in the live stream that we've just like n- neglected. Well, Ty's been in there. No, yeah, thank you, Ty. Okay, oh, you guys nice. are on it. Excellent, uh, dude. That's yeah. There's been a bunch of chatter, but we've you we guys got your back. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. We're thank over you. here. Uh, I see we're getting some compliments on the uh, on the camera work. Uh, it's not me, it's the machines. It well, is, the, it is Jimmy, doing a good it job. Is Jimmy yeah. the camera guy. That's right, Jimmy the camera guy, uh, everyone. He's he's trapped inside a convolutional neural network. Uh, well, you know... And he looks like an owl now. He's an owl. He's a, he's a real owly-looking guy. Yeah. Uh, Hint, hint. Maybe we'll get a sponsor out of it. Oh, I don't know. I'll should, be honest. Hey, you know, it's I, that, I saw that, t- it's logo that time of the episode. We should probably talk to somebody. We, we should probably at least address it because I just realized that the logo yeah, for there. the camera is in there. So we, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned we got this new thing, but it's it's called an Owl Labs. Uh, it is really cool. Yeah, it's it's super sweet. Um, they don't sponsor us yet, but it's that time in the show where I start getting desperate and begging for money. Uh, but so, check check this out. So if I start talking, come on, Al. Here I am. Look yep. at me. That's all I did. I I've seen it do. Loud. I've seen it do at least a a three a three angle split. And also across the top, um, if you don't know the layout of our conference room, it may not be evident. But that's a three hundred and sixty degree panorama. So Alan, you and I are directly across from each other. So when I point there, I'm yeah. pointing directly at Alan in front of the thing. But it's uh it's pretty sweet. It is. Pretty cool. pretty cool. Yeah. I, I didn't realize until the stream that the panorama up top is also up top for like everybody's. Streaming. Oh yeah, everyone else is seeing yeah. that too. It's all it's yeah. all composite. And so like this thing is all on device. Um, as far as my computer's concerned, it's getting a 1080p webcam feed, and what it's seeing is all these boxes moving around. Uh, so that's all happening on the machine itself, and it does have eyes. That it is called you. the owl. It is and called it the looks owl. Like an owl. owl yeah, and it lights up. How do we put the owl on the owl? Can we do that? 
uh, like actually see it on the camera? Yeah. No, because the 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 camera image yeah. originated. Yeah, I didn't think so. If I had a second webcam, I could point it at it. Oh, uh, screen share uh, the website. That's that's a good idea. Let that's me, how we get that money's. You know, this is. Uh, thanks, everyone. I think it's owlabs.com. Yeah, this guy, Al Labs. Pretty sweet. A lot of people have asked about it. We did some client meetings. We had like a five-hour uh, webcam. That's what he looks like right there. Yep. Hello, little Al. Yep. There he is. Uh, he sure does, too. This thing, again, uh, the we, eyes we wouldn't mind a sponsorship. Terrifyingly. We, 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 we don't have one. Uh, this is legit. Uh, we, we dig it. We uh, really like the equipment. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so so we have this thing. It's it's pretty cool for streaming, but it works really well in a meeting. We share the whiteboard on it and all kinds of stuff. Um, yep. I'm really... Uh, uh, good, good purchase. Good use of AI too. Hell yeah! Right? Yeah. Right. That's pretty sweet. And uh, they're not cheap. Uh, it actually needs some 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 computing power on that thing. I assume it does to to swap all the yeah. you know views around like that. <clears> this is this yeah. is uh, this is not a Raspberry Pi with a Logitech cam plugged <laughs> into it, and, it <laughs> and it is priced thusly. Uh, right. So be prepared for that. But uh, it's it's pretty sweet. Uh, well. I don't know. Does anybody have any closing thoughts on Kubernetes CI DevOps? Uh, How, did you ever get your build to pass, Sloan? Uh, not yet. Good. <laughs> we're, You're supposed we're, to we're be abandoning it. Yeah, we're still yeah. fighting the entropy here. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I've learned a lot in the process. I've found lots of new tools, new ways of doing things. I mean, the the, the real advantage of Kubernetes is the community. I mean, there's just so many people out there. Using it, working on in this this realm, and and building new tools on top of it. That the thing that I'm struck by is while I'm writing some you know custom DevOps code for the new Kubernetes setup, most of the heavy lifting is done by the framework. Whereas you know the older setup, basically the entire uh, code base for our conventional deployment system was custom. We used Terraform and we used Ansible and then we used Packer, but we still had to write all of that. We still had yeah. to define our process. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Kubernetes, we're using a process that's already established. We just have to adapt our stuff to work that's, in that process, right? And then once we've done that, the process is always the same. It's it's Kubernetes. That's just how it works. This is how you use it. There's a few different ways you can access it. There's ways. There's different ways you can organize your code. But at the end of the day, you're still taking Kubernetes specs and you're applying them with kubectl to, to some right? to some stack somewhere and that's something right. we didn't talk about in this project yeah. is like the on-prem installs that we have right where we ran docker compose for people running on-prem hardware um, that's running a full replica of this environment, yeah. but in an air-gapped, no internet access network. And so that's the using the same Docker images that we would use in Kubernetes, but it's not using Kubernetes. Uh, and and, and, the, and the, the huge limitation there is like that works. However, like we need them to supply all the hardware in one box. Right. So yeah. the ability to cluster that and actually roll it out within these air-gapped networks was like, how are we going to solve that problem? Kubernetes is the resounding answer to it. Yeah. Was there a solution before Kubernetes? Absolutely, but this is the right one given yeah. given that it's an option. Um, it's and and one cool thing that I know you know while we were working on the uh, e discovery app, like it was cool to be able to make changes in flight. You know, like right. oh, I need two uh, two more web apps, like and here those boxes come up. Or, Scaling it was was rad. Yeah, that that part's really cool too. Uh, you know, and the bulletproof part's really great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found yeah. out on that particular app, 
um, how shitty one of our microservices was. Yeah. Uh, so so that guy. The app was running and just fine. We just found that it was OOMing and crashing like every well, fucking fifteen so, minutes. So, huh. so guys, what it was was all right. So we were using we were using Tika by by the Apache. Uh, it's it wasn't originally. It's an Apache whatever they call it, incubator project. Yeah. It's an open source. What's Tika? So so Tika, you throw text at it. You you throw like Word documents. You throw PDFs mm-hmm. at it. And it's, to, to, fun, it at, at a fundamental level, if you've ever used OpenOffice or LibreOffice, it is that engine for Office documents with a oh. web app wrapped around it that lets you generate okay. PDFs. Well, we from, were using a, a LibreOffice uh, yeah. binary yeah. to convert yeah, yeah. something. Totally. Back so, 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 exactly. so Tika and, is that, right? But, okay. but what the problem was, this the one we were using... It, it it had a Node.js server in front of it that was just blowing up uh, Tika in the background. So yeah. it, it was calling Tika because you can also use Tika as a command line tool. So you can just go Tika parse my you know mm-hmm. my my PDF or whatever. And so that's essentially what the server's doing. We were passing you know bytes to it and going here parse this PDF or yep. whatever. And uh, Node was blowing it up. Because mm. so, the thing is, like, we turned it loose and we let the we let the async happen, and it was just like, uh, you know, our app was firing thousands of requests at it and just nuking that container. So, if I so remember you DDoSed right. your you DDoSed yeah, your ticket. Yeah, yeah. We DDoSed yeah. our own shit. <laughs> so, but when when the when the job failed, RabbitMQ never got an acknowledgement, so it put the job back on the queue. And Kubernetes is like, "Hey, this thing's out of memory. I'm gonna kill it and put another so, one." And the fucking job's finished, and everything got done. We just looked at the log. It was, and was just like, inefficient. Yeah, wow. yeah so, we were just blown so it up. Chain carnage. Chain DDoSed. So yeah. so here you go, Blake. But like, the service I, I never went I, down. I, I think I ended up just putting like sleep, sleep for a second <laughs> yeah. in between each one. Just slow Excellent. your roll, no. Excellent. Just slow your roll. This app is not currently in production. No, so yeah. you know, no don't no, do that no. in production. Hey, yeah. I'm embarrassed by how many sleeps there are in my Kubernetes DevOps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a good high point to end on, man. It was it was fun having Sloan on the oh, show. Yeah. Um, I'll be you, back. You got to come back, uh, and and we'll talk we'll talk more about this. Um, we didn't. We, I'm I'm shocked because <laughs> I told you guys we couldn't get you on the show without actually getting pulled past the event horizon into a, the singularity. Yeah, uh, yeah. And well, we did it. We the fucking did it. It's happening tomorrow. Mission okay. accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> we did it. So we'll get you in the next time. And maybe that's the topic. Uh, Singular. We can, oh, we yeah, go deep on it. that. Let's yeah. do it. Let's uh, do it. That's fun. Yeah, this was uh, a lot of fun. Well, cool. This was fun. Thanks for um, you know everyone that tuned in on on the podcast. Everyone who tuned in on the live stream as well. We're going to start. Um, maybe not every episode, but we'll live stream more of these, right? Uh, you know, the one thing we didn't do was hate Facebook. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Oh no! Oh, you had an article. I just got didn't called you? out on it. Yeah, in the, in the live chat. That oh, we did no. Not oh no! Bash Facebook. I, I love uh, that. That's your you character. Support arc. the fan. Yeah, I know. People, people <laughs> like, they want my stick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your character has developed to the point that it's. Like, let's let's hear your token let's Facebook. What's well, got, well, what you got? I was trying to think. Um, where did we end up? About Facebook. What's the last thing that week, you said about, about Facebook? It. I don't know. I remember oh, you no. saying there was an article and you were like, I yeah. got ammo. Here we go. Yeah, you no, no. Said, well, that was, yeah. I think it was actually several weeks ago at this point, sadly, because Facebook just keeps coming out with more stuff about what they're doing. Yeah. But um, they just keep um, abusing your your privacy without abandon. Oh, are uh, we getting into politics here? Because uh, no, so I'm like, I'm feeling some politics. <laughs> no, but, but we had talked about. Um, Oh, because we were talking about how 
we've been listening to a Spotify playlist for the last two days, and it seems like the more we talk about oh, yeah. uh, different things, the more it seems to show up in the, the Spotify radio station. Jesse looked up the word for this. It's it's some German dude's name effect. Does the, anyone remember? Uh, the, or, yeah. or it's retargeted advertising that we haven't been told about. Yet. Exactly. Right. right. That's, yeah. that's what we said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but ultimately, it ends up back with Facebook and... Yep. They're they're building the shadow profiles. That's what you get. Shadow yeah. government. Oh, yeah. You, you, you allowed the microphone access, internet. This is what you did. Yeah. Well, well and it, <laughs> hey, hey, surveillance I'm, device. I do, uh, I do play my favorite song. Says yeah. says the guys around a group of uh, microphones talking to the internet <laughs> with, with an owl literally <laughs> looking at me. Don't like, yeah, mind me. Or and we I'm don't just know, here to we put don't your know face gonna, everywhere. He's on our Wi-Fi network. <laughs> they told me I needed to do it in order to configure it. Yeah. I don't know. Did don't you know sign up with going. that with Facebook? I didn't oh, re- God, we're dead. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't read the terms oh, and conditions. Oh, they had perfect models of all of us already. It's not like it's new. It's true. But, uh, yeah, that's true. Hello, Neural Network. This is what my face looks like, but you already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like face, 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 beer, computer. It's like that's all this in this room. It's just a, it's just a bunch of bounding boxes in its, uh, in its little spreadsheet in here. All right. Well, that's a show. You meet your contractual obligations to shit on Facebook privacy. They suck. We can, <laughs> we can call it an episode. Uh, we'll see you guys in a week. In a week, uh, I'm, we're going to try and do a remote. We'll see what First happens. First remote. I'm going to be, First remote. First remote. Gonna be it's, in the It's Caribbean. significant. It'll be a good deal. And I think we're going to talk about... Um, ta- I talked to him today. Uh, I said, we're gonna, we want to talk about DNS and like all the infrastructure behind it. He works for a domain registrar. He's a Python dev down there. Oh, that's cool. So we can nice. talk a lot about Python stuff, but specifically DNS. He's like, oh, he's nice. been working for him for like five years. He's like, I don't know that much about DNS. I was like, motherfucker, you know <laughs> a lot more than we do from the outside. He's like, I guess I know more than when I started. And I was like, DNS is a black box that I, I, I consume I'm, sometimes. I'm interested. I don't know anything I'm, about what it does. It's black uh, magic to me. Two yeah. levels. I'm interested on the infrastructure and the technology. I'm also interested in the business itself is pretty fascinating uh, of, yeah. of, of all that stuff. They're, they're both a, a DNS, uh, they're, they're a domain registrar as well as a registry, which are two different things. We'll get into it next week. Uh, but the next time you hear from me, I'll be on a beach. So it's going to be you guys. Excellent. It's going to be 18 degrees when I get on an airplane. It's going to be 85 when I get off. <laughs> and uh, you bet your ass I'm going to be rubbing are that you, in uh, on Slack. Are you going to see Tosh? Like I'm going to see Tosh, yeah. yeah. Excellent. So we'll be down there for a week. But we'll, we'll keep the show rolling and we'll Hell figure yeah. out a, a remote setup over there. Oh, that sounds great. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in a week. Thanks for listening to Friday Afternoon Deploy, recorded and produced by the team at Lofty Labs. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to future episodes via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also follow at Friday Deploy on Facebook and Twitter for episode previews, live streams, and other behind-the-scenes peaks. Past episodes and show notes on this episode can be found at friday.hirelofty.com. That's friday.h-i-r-e-l-o-f-t-y.com. If you'd like to contact the show, or if you're local to the Northwest Arkansas area and would like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at podcast at higherlofty.com.